Occult Confessions is brought to you commercial-free through the generous support of our patrons. Visit occultconfessions.com and click on Donate to help keep the history of the occult on the digital airwaves. Organized religion preaches order and love, but spawns chaos and fury. Why? This is a central question for Discordian founders Gregory Hill, also known as Malpocalypse the Younger, and Carrie Thornley, also known as Carrie Thornley. The whole material universe belongs to the Greco-Roman goddess of chaos. Thornley received the goddess Eris's revelation during a miraculous event in a bowling alley in Friendly Hills or Santa Fe Springs, California, we're not entirely sure, in the year 1958 or 1959, also open to some debate. Gregory Hill bore witness and participated in the event. Sipping coffee together at a bowling alley, they wondered how to solve the problem of discord and chaos. Suddenly, time stopped, and a shaggy gray chimpanzee entered the smoky Bolo-Rama, standing roughly five feet tall. He passed a scroll to them, showing a pentagon-shaped yin-yang and an apple. The chimpanzee exploded, and both of them lost consciousness. They found themselves back in real time, just as they'd been in the bowling alley, and compared notes on their experience, and they decided that they needed to do further research. Hitting the books, they traced the imagery they'd seen on the chimpanzee scroll and stumbled across Taoism, technocracy, and the goddess Eris. Eris, known to the Romans as Discordia, then came to Hill and Thornley in a dream, with a body that Malpocalypse the Younger described as a splendid dance of atoms and pyrotechnics of pure energy flowing from her hair. Studying the pentagon-shaped yin-yang, they heard a voice while in meditation tell them to tell constricted mankind that there are no rules unless they choose to invent rules, and there is no tyranny in the state of confusion. Eris has a number of avatars who arrive on Earth to support her cause. The most famous of these was Confucius. The joke here is a little nerdy, but one our listeners might pick up on. Confucius, in opposition to the Taoists, was famously concerned with creating order through ritual. Eris is the goddess of disorder. There's actually an interesting commentary running under the toss-off Chinese philosophy joke about how all effort to create order only generates exponentially growing instances of disorder, but, but don't worry about that right now, we'll get to that later. Discordianism bills itself as a kind of spoof religion, although as we'll discover, there's a deep seriousness hidden underneath the joke. Hill and Thornley initially invented the religion as a high school prank, but over time it took on a kind of life of its own and developed a kind of via negativa philosophy that was not actually an anti-religion. Its emphasis on chaos as a focus of worship marks Hill and Thornley as progenitors of postmodern chaos magic, uh, although they aren't the actual founders of chaos magic. They are, much like Austin Osmond Smare, a couple of folks who inspired the practice. How and why they inspired chaos magic will require a confession from Malpocalypse the Younger, also Malpocalypse the Elder, and perhaps even St. Gulick, a messenger from the goddess, and also a cockroach. My name is Rob C. Thompson, Doctor of Things Occult, and I guess in this case, alternative religion. I'm joined today by Andrew Mims. And God, Mims, say hi. Hello. Now, I, I want to say this about Mims, because this is ordinarily why we, where we would say the title. But um, Mims's title is a secret. <laughs> Nobody needs to know. <laughs> He's the only one. So if you go to our website, uh, you'll see Mims as a secret title. You might be able to, to guess it, but uh, Mims is the only alchemical actor whose title cannot be spoken. I tried. It it, it didn't work. <laughs> it's unpronounceable. <laughs> uh, also, of course, as is traditional, we are joined by Olivia the Literal. She is our Grand Master of the Order. 
How low? I, I like how it's the literal. Like yeah, today, yeah. The literal. The definitive. The definitive article. Move over, Brianna. It's me. <laughs> I have the title. Today's your day. Mm. What's going on, you two? Uh living, surviving. Yeah, that's trying not to die. Surviving is that's accurate. This is the first episode of 2021. We are out of 2020 with this episode. We're recording it at the end of 2020, but uh, yeah, wow, this is our that's first a mindset. 2021 episode. I can't get into the 2021 mindset yet. You're gonna yeah, have to imagine it's... yourself there. Hmm. I, I I'm imagining it's 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 wonderful. Feels, <laughs> feels about the same. <laughs> well, it feels Maybe. about the same, but like in my head, it's like it just uh, I, I'm, I'm wishful thinking. Yeah. Wishful thinking. I got you. Easier to be wishful. Are we ready for these Discordians? Hell yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's do it. Let's pledge it on up. We, the members, members of, of the, the secret, secret order, order of alchemical, alchemical actors, actors, do solemnly, do solemnly commit ourselves to a, to a full and honest telling of the history of the occult as far as, far as, we, know as it. we know it. Mim's still not ready for that, huh? I... I I tried pulling it up, but I couldn't find it, and it, it, it came up too quick. <laughs> so as we were pledging, you were desperately searching for it. <laughs> oh, Olivia, open up those plugs. Plug, plug, plug. We want to welcome a nice, healthy crew of folks to the patron crew. We are grateful for that growing patron crew. Um, if the pandemic continues to rage, um, but but I know some folks are able to uh, hold down a job. So we appreciate you joining the crew and helping to support what we're up to here. We've got Essie, Nathaniel K, Anna Elizabeth S, Boof Doggy Dog. Oh my God. Ooh, Boof. <laughs> Paul VC, Eva A, Benjamin C, and Joey D. And I've got one more here, Luke. Now, I save Luke for the end because now here, this has happened on a number of different episodes. Olivia, you'll remember this. Luke was a practicing Discordian. So we have had a series of patrons who have had the coincidence that the episode on which we say their name because they just joined and they don't, none, none of our listeners know. Like we're talking about, I decide on these episodes oh. months in advance. So they don't know when they join that I'm about to cover a topic that relates to them. But we have had this happen over and over again, that the topic of the episode relates to something in the, the patron's personal life. That's wow. funny. Really cool. Oy, uh, okay. I, here's another thing I want to do before we get out of the plugs. We don't do this uh, typically uh, because we save credits for the end, but I want to call out the Mims while he's here. Also, Brandon Walls and Sean Priest and Luke Kinneman. Now, these guys are our voice boys, and they have been helping voice us. Voice boys. Voice boys. boys. <laughs> Uh, they have been working diligently with uh, me and some of the rest of the crew to refurbish some of our old episodes because uh, these guys are sort of our audio experts. Uh, and we have now redone five episodes, Olivia, I think it is. Yep. We got to dust them off. So redo them. Yeah, dust them off. <laughs> there are there are yeah. podcasts out there who, um, you know, they like to toss their old episodes i know this happens a lot they'll toss their first series or they'll they'll hide yeah. it and put it on patreon uh I, I understand the impulse i'm i'm also kind of a perfectionist my approach has been to go back and dig up the material and redo the episode if we we don't like the sound quality or whatever uh and these these four guys have really been instrumental in making that happen so i'm going to give them a plug today voice boys it's... voice boys all right that's it's, enough Let's it's an honor it to help <laughs> Oh, we're plugging them up. Plug, plug, plug. I think that's enough. Yeah, here we go. <laughs> Sorry, it was a rushed one. I was panicked. It's all good. <laughs> Let's get into this. People are anxious for these Discordians. I can feel it. I can feel it coming from the future listener, the future yeah. confessors. I really don't know a lot of anything about what you're going to talk about, I feel like. We're going to spend a lot of our time today on their holy book, the Principia Discordia. That's a cool name. That's a really cool name. So long-time listeners will know that I am a sucker for a long title. It comes from all the work I do in the 19th century. <laughs> so, the central text of the Discordians has nothing if not a long title. And that title is Principia Discordia, or How I Found Goddess and What I Did to Her When I Found Her, colon. 
Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> okay, I'm Colon. sorry. The magnum opiate of Malpocalypse the Younger, wherein is explained everything worth knowing about absolutely everything. I'm what did now. he do to her? That's an anime title. Like, that sounds <laughs> that is, like an anime honestly. title. <laughs> So the book's first edition, we'll find out what she, what, he, what they did to each other as, oh as, as the episode okay. unfolds. We'll keep that a mystery. That will, <laughs> right. that will come. That's the title, all right. The book's first edition was rolled off of District Attorney Jim Garrison's mimeograph machine in New Orleans in 1964. What the f*** is a mimeograph? <laughs> what is that? It's an old-style old uh, copy machine. Okay. Oh. It, would, it, would, it smells really nice and old sweet. It's faxing? purple. Yeah, the mimeograph. Gotcha. Uh, This was all done, of course, without District Attorney Garrison's knowledge or consent. So, in his introduction to the Principia, Carrie Thornley makes a broad statement that captures the spirit of Discordianism. Theology, he says, is just a debate over who to frame for creating reality. In other words, frame for the crime. What we imagine is order is merely the prevailing form of chaos. You got me? Yeah. Yeah. This is just the frame that we're looking through. He's just using frame in sort of a double sense there. Thornley, who served as a Marine private with Lee Harvey Oswald. Oh, shit. Oh, that guy. What a small world. He actually wrote a novel attempting to make sense of Oswald's defection to the Soviets and then execution of uh, JFK. Thornley says, When you wonder what the point is in life, you fall into a trap of thinking there is one. When you think there is a point, you finally realize there is no point. And what point is there in living like that? Nowadays, I skip the search for a point and find instead the punchline. Damn. Although there are serious implications to Thornley's tongue-in-cheek remark, he does not believe that metaphysical speculation is worthwhile without humor. The point is the joke, not the speculation. Much of the Discordian belief system, if we can call it that, is a kind of joke. Thornley says, With the help of a chaosopher's stone, I found the goddess Eris Discordia in my pineal gland, or cosmic channel number five. And ever since, I have known the answers to all the mysteries of metaphysics, metamystics, metamorphics, metanoiacs, and metaphorics. That happens sometimes. When you get the goddess in your pineal gland? Yep. Sometimes. in the pineal gland. Sometimes. (laughs) Not all the time. Let her out. Is it a good feeling or what? What do we sometimes. think? Painful? Oh, sometimes good, sometimes painful. You never for know. For her yeah, or yeah. for you? Cause... Aspiring Discordians might become chaosophers who deliver commentaries. Chaosists who cause chaos. So these are different genres of Discordian. You could be a chaosopher, write a commentary. You could be a chaosist who just goes around causing chaos. I feel like I'm a chaosopher. Olivia is a chaosist. Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Or knowers who know better than both of them. That's Mims. <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> uh, but Thornley says, but under no circumstances may you become a prophet. We don't intend to jeopardize our non-profit status. Uh, okay. Amen. <laughs> get, get used to those, those sorts of jokes tonight. Uh, so there are many saints because in the Discordian religion, popes canonize saints and every living man and woman is a pope. Oh my god. What? That's you're a, a lot of popes. And you're both of you are popes. You get and a I'm pope. also a pope. I, Look under I feel your like seat. I need... You get a pope. <laughs> it's a pope. I feel like I need a fancier robe for this. <laughs> to just I be wasn't talking ready for this about kind this. of this kind of responsibility. <laughs> just suddenly be a pope. You've been a pope all along. You just didn't know it. Oh my god, put that on a poster. Among the saints is Gulick who I mentioned earlier, a messenger of the goddess, also a cockroach. The Discordians also have the option of becoming Fendersons, which appear to be a last name you give yourself or anyone else you want to give the name to, regardless of their consent. <laughs> okay, I'm, I don't know why, but that one's like f***ing me up, but continue. It, you could be a Fenderson at any moment, that anyone could come up to you and Fenderson you? I think that would like really piss me off. Like, I feel oh, like yeah. that's the equivalent of playing the game back in the day, like... I'm liable to punch you in the face. What is playing the game? No, we're So if not. you think about the game, you've lost the game. So thus, thinking about the game, we all have lost the game. People in middle school used to come up to you and say that shit, and I was like, you want to fight? 
People in middle school, I do that now. Mims, you want to fight? <laughs> we solicit no donations, demand no tithes, charge no admission, levy no poll tax, and run only a few nifty religious novelty stores on the side. But certain obligations adhere to the more hollowed manifestations of discordianship. Eating hot dog buns is prohibited except on Friday when it is compulsory. Any other time you just gotta, you gotta, you gotta like, just white bread. Oh yeah, white bread the rest of the days of the week, but on Fridays, hot dog buns. I love how you assume they eat hot dogs every single day of the week. <laughs> With white bread, yeah, that's true. In <laughs> Mims' universe, yeah. they're always eating hot dogs. I love that. <laughs> it's, they, 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 they're cheap, they're, they're easy, it's not hard. Discordian food. It, hot dogs will come up again. Also, uh, you're not allowed to step on cockroaches because of Gulick. You must learn to drink beer and watch television with total concentration. Like at the same time? Oh, yeah. dude, that's easy. Completely focused on both beer and television. You shouldn't be doing any other thing or thinking about anything else. No, put, your, of... put your phone down. Yeah, That's people... just being like a stereotypical dad. Yeah, people are out there crushing that right now. And you must protect bowling alleys as sacred, guarding them from desecration with your life if necessary. Oh, I'm out. <laughs> it's sounding like the it's sounding like a Big Lebowski sequel that I'm all for. Well, I think the Big Lebowski is really the sequel to this, because this oh, is fair. the 50s. Remember the 60s. Hmm. There are five commandments in the Discordian system. The number five is sacred to the Discordians for the Pentagon that was revealed to Hill and Thornley. Remember at the bowling alley. They have a calendar with five seasons and celebrate high holidays on the 50th day of those seasons because. <laughs> Their months have fifty days. Wait, what's the um, other season? The fit of the, the five seasons. Yeah, I don't. I don't actually know. Oh, okay. The commandments state. That's a good question. So, and if anyone wants to write in what the five seasons of the Discordians are, we will welcome that. Yeah, please let me know. The commandments state that there is no goddess but goddess, and she is your goddess. Okay. Further state that a Discordian is required during his early illumination to go off alone and partake joyously of a hot dog bun on a Friday. Okay. And this ceremony uh, is to remonstrate against the popular paganisms of the day, including all dietary laws. Okay. A Discordian shall partake of no hot dog buns, for such was the solace of our goddess when she was confronted with the original snub. You ready for this? Yeah. I guess. So this is like original sin in the Discordian universe. This is the goddess's oh. original snub. Oh, here we go. So this actually is part of Greek mythology. So the original snub happened at the wedding of Peleus and Thetis. Do you know this story, either of you? I don't know. Not offhand. It'll, it'll dawn on you as I'm telling this. Eris was not invited to the wedding of Peleus and Thetis, and so she dropped off an apple inscribed to the fairest. Oh, is this the 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 one they compete? Yes, it's the start oh, okay. of the Trojan War. According yeah. to the Discordians, Eris went off to eat a hot dog after doing that. <laughs> As you do. <laughs> a victory hot dog. Yeah, I assume without the bun. Uh what followed was a quarrel between Athena, Hera, and Aphrodite, and then yeah. the Trojan War. So the uh, okay. to the fairest, who is the fairest, which goddess. So Eris as Chaos introduced the chaos into this event because she wasn't invited her she was originally snubbed okay you know i don't blame i I don't blame her so while the hot dog buns are ridiculous the explication of greek mythology and the elevation of a specific number is specific Uh, and it's also organizing in its way in their project to privilege chaos the discordians admit some order into their work Pure chaos is not fathomable to human minds, and it's beyond human action. And disorder would be too perfectly disordered if it didn't contain a little order. This is the essence of the pentagonal yin-yang, mixing elements of hodge and podge central to Discordian philosophy. You following me here? I get it, I get it. So it's mostly chaotic, with Olivia being called a Fenderson at any moment. But... There's this number five, and there's this mythology, and the hot dog buns. There's like these couple of rules, because you have to have a little bit of order in your chaos. The Discordians refer to themselves with the acronym P-O-E-E, which appears to refer to either all Discordians or a special occult fraternity within the Discordians. It stands for, I'm going to do my best with this, Paratheoanomet 
A mystichood of Eris Esoteric. Bless you. <laughs> and it's not really esoteric. It's only that nobody pays much attention to them. What, was the first part of that, were those real words? No, no. But the end were word Right, Right, the end resembled words, but okay. But so they're, they're a cult, not because they're in hiding, like Rosicrucians. They're not hiding from the public. It's just that nobody wants to pay any attention to them. So they're accidentally a cult. Right. Their head temple is in the pineal gland of Malpocalypse the Younger. Okay. All right. That's fine. Right. <laughs> Where I guess the goddess comes and goes feeling various things about it. The Pope card presented by those wishing to affirm their status as a Pope of Eris, places the head temple in San Francisco, though. So people would, Discordians could go around with these Pope cards, like business cards, and it says that the head temple is actually in San Francisco, not in the pineal gland. So there's some debate there. Initiation is entirely optional and involves the initiate standing naked before a Discordian priest to assure that he or she is truly a human being and not something else in disguise, like a cabbage or something. I worry about that all the time. That you're talking to cabbages? Oh, absolutely. Could it's, be. It's, it's, it's pretty bad. Is that part of the reptilian thing, Olivia? There are cabbages in human outfits? I don't think so. Never Boy, that would break David people. Ike. Wouldn't that break Ike? That'd be like, it for him. real cabbage patch kids. <laughs> no, but, but there's no real cabbages. It's actual yeah. vegetables yeah, going around. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be it. David Ike wouldn't know what to do with himself. George Bush is a cabbage. You heard it here first, folks. <laughs> Ike would wear cabbages to just blend in with the cabbage. Right. <laughs> want them to catch him out. I'm just going to live amongst the cabbages for, for a few months. <laughs> I think that's why he wore turquoise, like. right? It was because he wanted to like blend in with whatever like color frequency bullshit. Do you know what I'm talking about? No, you don't. He'll be in the cabbage patch like Linus. It's the great cabbage, David Ike. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, that's enough of that. So yeah. contributing to the Discordian's anti-establishment hippie freak aura. Bear in mind, this is San Francisco in the 60s. So these are this is very hippie freak stuff going on here. Is there, they have, and I'm going to drive this home here because they have a strong interest in drugs. Cannabis and the planting of cannabis seeds is an infrequent but nevertheless discernible theme. Our tradition, says Malpocalypse the Younger, is rooted in a medieval rite called the Mass of Travesty in which marijuana was the sacrament. The Principia also makes infrequent references to LSD. The application for membership as a Discordian includes a square prompting the applicant to lick here. You may be one of the lucky 25. Oh, my God. Wait. Wait, one out of 25 people that do this might have LSD? I mean, I think that's just a joke, Olivia, but yes, that's that's the idea. I don't think it's a might. I think it's a probably. (laughs) One in 25 will have a trip. Knowing that they're all taking the risk, that's hilarious. It's like Russian roulette, but funny. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. LSD roulette, yeah. Don't try this at home, kids. No. The Principian name drops Ken Kesey of the famous electric Kool-Aid acid test and in the foreword by Robert Anton Wilson wonders if Malkapocalypse might really be Timothy Leary before concluding that he is, in fact, a 23rd century time traveler named Gregory Hill. Reasonable. Yeah. That's the far more likely than that he's Timothy Leary. Thornley says that the Discordians share with the Christians the doctrine of the only begotten son. The goddess apparently had a son, and that son was Joshua Abraham Norton, born the 4th of February, 1818, and died the 8th of January, 1880. Now, this is a real person, and I'm about to tell you about him um, because I had never heard of this person before I was working on the Discordians. And I got so fascinated. This is essentially a brief history is what I'm about to do here. Uh, Take just a step to the side of the Discordians. Because they feature this guy as their only, you know, their their sort of Jesus figure. But he's this real historical figure who lived in San Francisco. You ready for him? Yep. Yes. In 1859, Norton declared himself Emperor of the United States adding the secondary title Protector of Mexico in 1863. Well, I'm glad he didn't leave Mexico out. No, yeah, Canada, yeah. though. 
Canada, eh. apparently. Not not us, though. We love Canada. No, we love Canada. Yeah, yeah, we love Canada. As with the toss-off joke about Confucius, the Discordians' worship of Emperor Norton I is not actually just a farce, in my opinion. Norton I actually shares quite a bit in common with the Discordians, and the Principia suggests a genuine admiration for his life and his commentary. If you look closely at the story of Norton I's life and politics, you'll notice profound similarities with Discordian principles. He was born in England and spent much of his youth in South Africa, and moved to San Francisco around 1849. Norton's declaration of himself as emperor was apparently part of a knowing critique of the United States government and politics in the U.S., and was published in the San Francisco Daily Evening Bulletin. On the 12th of October, 1859, he formally abolished the U.S. Congress. <laughs> he said, bye. <laughs> just, uh, yeah, you're all fired. Just just get out of here. He yeeted them go. right out of Congress. We don't need you. He dissolved the Republic, forbade Congress from meeting, abolished the Republican and Democratic Party, and insisted Catholic and Protestant ter- churches recognize him as emperor. Oh, he just said, yeet the whole system. I'm for it. I'm not. I'm. I'm. I'm not against it. Through it all, imagine how much better off we'd be right now. Currency was issued in his name and accepted at the establishments he frequented. Let me say that one more time. What? Currency was issued in his name, and when he went to the bar, the bartender accepted his currency. Who issued his currency? Did he issue it? He issued it. He issued his Why? own. Wait. Could so- I start doing that? He's like he's like Sealand, but just one man. And if you don't know what Sealand is, Google it and have a great night. Oh, it's beautiful. Were the, uh, was the currency like? Were they worth something? Like, what were they made out of? It was paper. Worth just paper that notes. The went it's to. just paper. It's not yeah, even it's just like a, a coin. Cu- well, let me. I mean, I don't want to blow your mind here, Olivia, but all of our money is just no, paper. I, In fact, <laughs> now it no. isn't even paper. It's just numbers on a screen. I am very aware, but yeah. I guess I'm just like trying to look for a reason these people would take his money. Or you're looking for a reason not to just go start printing your own Olivia bucks. <laughs> just Monopoly uh, to money. To be fair, like, <laughs> I you look at, like, Bitcoin. Name. Isn't that pretty much the same thing? Oh, God, well, I don't well, understand that. <laughs> <laughs> Bitcoin's over, that's over my IQ. This is the original uh, cryptocurrency. Yeah, uh, I'm also about to start printing MIMS bucks. <laughs> and I hope yeah. they start accepting it at uh, whatever stores I go to. <laughs> Do you That's have one insane. in particular you're hoping to to peddle your Mims bucks at? Uh, the liquor store. <laughs> <laughs> that was said with just the right amount of shame. <laughs> <laughs> oh, trust me, I got a lot of that. <laughs> So, if you want to look up the Principia Discordia, one such note for 50 cents actually appears in its pages with a cartoon bubble drawn above Norton's head saying, Look, comrade, you do your own thing, and I'll do mine. Norton called for the formation of a League of Nations in the century before one would actually be formed. He forbade religious quarrels. Uh, He decreed the creation of a suspension bridge connecting San Francisco with Oakland. Opposing anti-Chinese sentiment led by Dennis Kearney's Working Man's Party of California, he mounted a small soapbox and ordered Kearney's small mob who had gathered to attack the immigrants in Chinatown to go home. San Francisco's Board of Supervisors gifted him a new uniform when his usual outfit began to look shabby, and he responded by issuing each supervisor a patent of nobility in perpetuity. They all became like, you know, dukes and, and marquises of... San Francisco. That's a cool-ass title. (laughs) He collapsed on a street corner on the way to a lecture at the California Academy of Sciences, and he died before a carriage could arrive to take him to the hospital. He had only about $8 to his name at that moment. The San Francisco Chronicle reported, Le Roi est mort. Lydia, that means? Is dead. King is dead. King is dead. Long live the king. Long live the... Yes, that's what you say next. Uh, But this was it. This was a one-time deal. We had but one emperor in the United States. It's high time for another one. The San San Francisco Businessmen's Association paid for his funeral expenses. And here, listen to this. 10,000 people lined up to see him. A campaign is currently ongoing to have the San Francisco-Oakland Bay Bridge named after him 
because it was his idea. We should sign that petition. Absolutely. Get that on the social medias. Norton embodies the playfully serious anti-establishment ethos of the Discordians and is, in fact, a fitting and illustrative patron saint for the movement. Compare Norton's pronouncements, for example, to Thornley's own ideas. Proliferation of crime in the wake of multiplication of laws is more than a matter of expanded definition. Governments are impositions of order designed to discourage theft and killing, but they wind up taking more in taxes than all the freelance crooks around could steal. Their wars involve more killing than all the meanest toughs and hoodlums can hope to rival. Laws were unknown to the true people of old, says Shang Tzu. All during the Paleolithic and Neolithic, there hardly could have been any laws, because the cave paintings in France and Spain depict no battle scenes. Another theme that some of our confessors may be picking up on is admiration for Chinese and also Japanese culture and religion. Taoism and Zen surface regularly. Sometimes they're the butt of jokes, but other times they're a kind of model for Discordian enlightenment. One night in a coffee house, a self-ordained Zen master said to his student, Go to the dilapidated mansion. Go to the large room on the right of the main hallway. Sit in the lotus position on top of the rubble in the northeast corner. Face the corner and meditate. He did as the Zen master instructed. His meditation was frequently interrupted by worries. He worried whether or not the rest of the plumbing fixtures would fall from the second floor bathroom to join the pipes and other trash he was sitting on. His worrying and meditations were disturbed when as in a test of his faith, Ordur fell from the second floor onto him. At that time, two people walked into the room. The first asked the second who the man sitting there was. The second replied, some say he is a holy man. Others say he is a shithead. Hearing this, the man was enlightened. That's enlightening. Like, unironically, that is enlightening. The story there itself is, a is scale, enlightening. scale to enlightenment, I guess. I think that, yeah, there's a serious message in there about humility and, and humility yeah. and spirituality. It, it's, it's playful, right? And it's fun and you laugh, but it, it, I think there's serious stuff in yeah, there. There's a point. Western religion, uh, in the context of the uh, Discordians, by contrast, offers no meaningful path to truth, and it becomes an absurdist sci-fi B-movie in the Discordians' mythology. So listen to this. I'm going to give you their interpretation of, of the Western Holy Bible. Jesus, who was the Son of Man and not of God, had a mission that was badly misunderstood. That mission was to warn humanity against God, namely a laser-armed computer robot space station sent to regulate or destroy humanity. That's, that's Jehovah. The devil also exists, but the devil is uh, an antagonist, still an antagonist. So they're not Satanists. They're not um, raising up Lucifer as an example. Is the he devil a robot? is called. Huh? Oh, you're about to tell me. Keep going. Yeah, well, they're de- they don't have a Lucifer. They don't have a Satan. They have a, a Mr. Grayface. Oh, sh- that's terrifying. Okay. And they say that Mr. Grayface exists for the sake of having a villain. He's blamed for all the evils, all of them. Uh, and he was given a lifelong membership for how handy he was before his identity was discovered. So they let him into the church, gave him a lifelong membership, and then they realized he was their their ultimate villain. His, I mean, it's it's very, it's definitely you can see the satire on the concept of the devil, right? The devil's yeah. to blame for everything. I'm kind of loving it. And, yeah. Mr. Grayface's catchphrase is, "Let me organize that for you." <laughs> It's like, it's like Marie Kondo. <laughs> um, or one of those uh, Queer Eye for a Straight Guy guys. Um, <laughs> whichever one gets you a house. Heaven, you see, I don't watch it. Heaven is Limbo, described as Key West during off-season. That's what Heaven is. It's Key West <laughs> in the off-season. And, and Hell is the region of Thud, which is sort of like suburbia. And most Christians confuse it for paradise. <laughs> I don't know why I find it so funny. In many ways, the Discordians, I think, uh, Olivia, now you can you can uh. say if I'm wrong here, but I think they're better at satirizing Christianity than the Satanists <laughs> they, sometimes. 
It's the Satanists so pull funny. off some good stuff. Don't get me wrong. Like the Satanists, oh. their statue with the Baphomet, yeah. like some of that's really funny. But the Discordians, come on now. They, they've got some no, really clever yeah. jokes here. There's not nearly as much humor in the Satanic Bible as there is in this. <laughs> So, Greyface is kind of a caricature for organized religion and government, if you haven't gotten that. I love they say that. he got into his head that the universe was as humorless as he is, and he began to teach that play was sinful because it contradicted the ways of Sirius with a capital S, order with a capital O. Uh, for some of our listeners may recognize that Greyface sounds a little bit like the Renaissance English Lollard sect of Christianity who believed that Jesus never laughed. Greyface convinced much of mankind that he was right about play being sinful, that is, until the year 1166 B.C., a time of apparent gullibility for human beings. 1156 B.C., okay. 1166 was when he convinced humanity that, yeah, we are sinful. That's when he talked us into it. Uh, Okay. The unfortunate result of this is that mankind has since been suffering from a psychological and spiritual imbalance. Imbalance caused by frustration, and frustration causes fear. And fear makes a bad trip. Man has been on a bad trip for a long time now. Amen to that. Man has been on a bad trip for a long time. Right? I'm feeling it. I'm really feeling it right now, I gotta be honest. Greyface built a false system based on the dichotomy of order-disorder. So that's what he thinks the universe is about. It's about the conflict between order and disorder, when in fact the true dichotomy is between creation or creativeness and destruction. Discordians favor creative disorder. They want to pair disorder with creativity. The antithesis of Discordian thought is in many ways conspiracy theory, which is... Oh, an ordering of things, right? The creation of an imaginary order for the purpose of constraining and frightening ourselves and separating us off into hyper-tribal groups. So they want to see creative disorder rather than creative order, because creative order is controlling. The Principia devotes one chapter to the subject, but like much of the book, it cuts fast and deep. And I'm gonna I'm gonna let us hear a little bit of their commentary on conspiracy theory because it's such a passion of mine these days to. Uh, cut some of it down. Chapter 1. The Epistle to the Paranoids. Lord Omar. Ye have locked yourself up in cages of fear, and behold, do ye now complain that ye lack freedom? Ye have cast out your brothers for devils, and now complain ye, lamenting that ye've been left to fight alone. The militant Christian. Fundamentalist, right? Yeah. Well, it's that With- book, right? You know, the book, that old book, the militant Christian or whatever. Oh. The Reformations. You know, yeah, yeah. Never mind. Anyway, that's more your, it's more your, your <laughs> bailiwick. <laughs> With Greyface, the madness begins to crystallize into a relatively cogent metaphysics, in my opinion. So Greyface helps us to begin to really like we're laughing and we're enjoying, but we're also noting there's some serious commentary here. Oh yeah. The inner message of Discordium philosophy is, in fact, recorded in a few paragraphs around the middle of the book. Underneath our categorizing and organizing windows or grids by which we make sense of the world is pure chaos. So the pure chaos is underneath all these make-up stuff that, this made-up stuff that we do. Reality is the chaos, and our perception of reality is merely a reflection of ourselves rather than anything like a true glimpse of how things really are. The point is that little t, truth, is a matter of definition relative to the grid one is using at the moment, and that capital T, truth, metaphysical reality, is irrelevant to grids entirely. Pick a grid, and through it some chaos appears ordered and some appears disordered. Pick another grid, and the same chaos will appear differently, ordered and disordered. Reality is the original Rorschach. Just that quote in general. What, uh, what about it? I don't know. It just hits. Just hits. Hits. Hits home. The Discordians put it another way in entry number 53 of the Principia. They say the real reality is there, but everything you know about it is in your mind, and yours to do with as you like conceptualization is art and you are the artist so it's very it's sort of existentialist once you embrace that the universe is 
chaotic and we're just sort of making up our own order, then you embrace your role as creative artists in life and reality. Hill downplays the significance of this philosophy, suggesting that readers who aren't interested in these sorts of arguments should skip ahead, and concluding with the phrase, verily, so much for that. So that's how he concludes this serious philosophical moment. Verily, so much for that. But it shows the seriousness undergirding this self-consciously unserious movement. He keeps trying to play it cool, right? To, To act like it's a joke. But this is serious stuff. Serious metaphysics here. Some elements of the movement, like the hot dog buns, are arbitrary and meaningless. Others, like the myth of Eris and the golden apple, or the significance of the number five, are fairly deeply considered in light of this philosophy. This seems to be the flavor and function of discordianism. There is a thread of meaning running through that charts a course to navigate a system that is often meaningless. Below all the nonsense is a genuine concept of value and purpose. The purpose is, in part, to erase all the false systems that misled us so that we can get down to a core of unknowing. This is the via negativa I mentioned at the beginning. The fact that the Discordians call this pure, this core pure chaos and that the Taoists call it a fundamental unity doesn't disguise the fact that both are concerned with penetrating beneath the organizing principles of civilization to discover our true hidden nature. It's the via negativa search for God that harkens back at least to the medieval cloud of unknowing in the Western world, which taught that God is unknowable in any human terms. So the point I'm trying to make here is that there is a mysticism within this work. The veneer of Dadaist free play and Alice in Wonderland nonsense is the style of Discordianism, but that doesn't disguise the fact that there's real substance here. This is particularly evident when Hill and Thornley talk about mysticism directly. Here we get to the points of their philosophy that directly inspire postmodern chaos magic. In an essay on occultism, Hill argues that When magicians learn to approach philosophy as a malleable art instead of immutable truth, and learn to appreciate the absurdity of man's endeavors, then they will be able to pursue their art with a lighter heart, and perhaps gain a clearer understanding of it, and therefore gain more effective magic. Chaos is energy! I see how that is gonna, I guess, eventually become what we know as, like, modern chaos magic. It gives the magician that freedom to invent, right? The malleability, you know? Yeah, yeah. Just freedom and chaos just go hand in hand in a weird kind of way. When we think about folks like Blavatsky and Crowley, like the modernist occultists, to be honest, they're doing some of that too, but they're sort of reserving that power for themselves, right? Whereas when we get to Hill, you know, the Discordians and then eventually the Chaos Magicians, it's supposed to be disseminated out to everybody to invent from the ground up. Chaos can be harnessed to mystical ends, but only by abandoning false systems. Now we're at the heart of Discordian belief. And that's what we have to say about the Discordians. But don't worry, we're not done today. Because the reason the Discordians sort of cut off here is that the Discordian movement gets picked up by another organization, which has its own mythology, which is equally bizarre. Are you ready? Oh, I've, uh, I'm ready. There's a sister movement, which came to prominence after the Discordians' heyday. So the Discordians were really a product of the 60s into the 70s. And then here comes this new movement in the 80s. Uh, it's the Church of the Subgenius, have you guys heard of this? I don't know why, but that sounded a little bit familiar, but I, like I couldn't tell you why. I feel like I've heard of it. Like I don't want to think about like pop culture uh, situation. Yeah, it, do, it does have, yes, it absolutely has associations in pop culture. We'll, we'll get to that at the end. But um, I, I don't want us to think about the Church of the Subgenius as like an evolution of Discordian thought. It's just a different iteration of. Uh, you know, the sort of themes in Discordian thinking. So I think of the Discordians as being a kind of perfect movement unto itself. We we didn't need to get better. And it didn't get better with the Church of the Subgenius. I actually kind of prefer Discordianism personally. But the Church of the Subgenius is doing 
many of the same things as the Discordians, they're just twisting it into a new form, which is very Discordian of them. You know what I mean? Yeah. So many Discordians openly embraced and partnered with subgenius Doctors, spelled with a K, D-O-K-T-O-R-S, subgenius Doctors. What's the K thing? (laughs) I don't know. I have no idea. I want the history on that. The Church of the Subgenius dates to 1980, when it was founded to satirize New Age mail-order cults, also evangelicals or televangelists and doomsday believers. The founders were two, two men, much like the Discordians, Douglas St. Clair Smith and Steve Wilcox. They both wrote under st- pseudonyms as well, much like their Discordian forefathers. Smith and Wilcox assume the names Reverend Ivan Strang and Dr. Philo Drummond. Can't make it easy. The pair fawned over the imaginary prophet Bob. That could not be any easier, Olivia. (laughs) Well, that was really easy. (laughs) That's the prophet Bob, also known as J.R. Dobbs. According to, so he has two names. He's Bob, but he's also J.R. Dobbs. So Bob is like his nickname. According to Subgenius Lore, Bob had an encounter with extraterrestrials at the age of three that left him with superhuman powers of persuasion. He made his first million by the age of six, married Connie, called the Blessed Anti-Virgin. Oh. How Connie. does that work? Did Connie, was she okay with that? or <laughs> She's blessed, also an anti-Virgin, uh, and was known as the man who could sell anything. That's Bob now. He got to the top of the conspiracy ladder, but in 1953, while working on a new kind of television, he was showed a vision in which everyone was wealthy, but never worked. His mantra was, they'll pay to know what they really think. Ooh, that's so dark. What? They'll pay to know what they really think. I mean, when you think about the lore of Bob, he's working in television, right? He's at the top of the conspiracy ladder, and his mantra is that he'll sell you what you already think. That's some reptilian shit. Well, I mean, it's reality. I mean, what is a Disney movie but but... selling your values back to you or selling mainstream values, mainstream culture back to you constantly over and over again? What is an episode of Friends, you know? Yeah. After well, starting his religion, he began modeling for magazine ads, but has otherwise remained elusive. He functions as a short-duration personal savior, encouraging followers to give him up after they've accepted him and start their own religion. The theory is that after a hundred years, a savior's message has become completely distorted by his or her followers and becomes like an old joke, no longer useful for humor, but only as punishment. People should not put their absolute faith in Bob or any other answer. Okay, that's at the church again, right? Oh boy, yeah. This is <laughs> this is one of the most cutting commentaries on Christianity, I think. I mean, right. so many religions. Oh, yeah. Also, Islam. I mean, particularly yeah. Judeo, you know, the Abrahamic religions, that only in the first hundred years is the religion any good, and then it expires. Whew. Yeah. I mean, things so get the cons- distorted over time. People people like to make things for their own uh, for their own gain, and I'm saying this as a religious person. Like yeah. people yes. are butts, right? Think about how far Christianity has come from what is in the Gospels. Think about how Paul interpreted the Gospels and how much time is spent on Paul, who never met Jesus. The conspiracy is staffed by the Pinks. All my love to the Christians. The Pinks, unoriginal and uncreative individuals acting according to the standards of society who do not know that there is a conspiracy. The conspiracy, according to the church, has been stealing and hoarding everyone's slack. That's your slack. My what? Your slack. Believers demand to be given more slack. Cut me some slack, man. Oh. Uh, okay, I was a little bit confused. <laughs> I wasn't sure what was going on. Okay. Slack is an important concept for the Church of the Subgenius. It is active sloth and is so blissful, it makes happiness feel like torment by comparison. True slack. (laughs) Okay. Bob can also be described as the living avatar of slack. Well, with a name like Bob, he just sounds like a chill dude. (laughs) Right? Yeah. 
so his the icon for Bob is he, like that old fashioned, you know, like uh, cartoon man with a pipe in his hand. You know, the smiling man with a pipe in his hand. Yeah. Nineteen fifties yeah. white guy. That's Bob. Are these guys also down with marijuana? Oh, I'm sure. What's the eighties? Maybe cocaine. Like it. Uh, actually, right. not cocaine. <laughs> cocaine wouldn't make sense because that gets you going, right? So no, they're not down with cocaine. I I don't know. Whatever. They'll do with that. <laughs> All right. I'm just you know. Anyway. On the 5th of July, 1998, Bob predicted that extraterrestrials, the unpronounceable X-ists, so they sub in the letter X because we can't pronounce the name of these extra, extraterrestrials, he predicted that on July 5th, 1998, they would land on Earth and rapture up all subgenius members who had paid their church dues. So if you haven't paid your dues, you're not going to get raptured. Yikes. But that's all you have to do to get raptured is pay your dues. Yeah, well, you know. Seems easy. <laughs> After an orgy, these subgenius members will be transformed into overmen and uberwomen who will establish a new holy land in Osgard, located in Dimension X, a realm of eternal slack. Meantime, Bob okay. will negotiate with entities wishing to purchase Earth and turn it into a kind of intergalactic stuckies. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I just don't even know what to say anymore, to be honest. I'm so, so you want to get raptured up because Earth is just going to become a giant southern restaurant. Like a, I mean, like a, do you know what a Stuckey's is? It's like I, a, I, it's like a, a, I don't even know how to describe it. It's like, a, what do we have in the north? It's like a Perkins. You ever been to a Perkins? That's I've like been Pennsylvania. to a Perkins. What the hell? Or uh, what do we have in Maryland? Like a, um, like a Cracker Barrel? Yeah, like a Cracker Barrel. Yo, yes. I would love to be at an eternal Cracker Barrel. Are you joking? It's so an it's intergalactic either... Cracker Barrel. So, like, aliens will be coming lit. and going. It's either it's like an alien yeah. orgy or Earth Cracker Barrel. It's a, yeah, yeah, alien Both... orgy in space or Earth Cracker Barrel. Both sound like good options. But if Bob fails, the Elder Gods will rise from the ocean in a Lovecraftian twist and take over the planet. These elder gods control Bob's evil twin brother, Dick Dobbs. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh. Now, getting to Mims's point when I first mentioned them, the movement attracted the interest of the subculturally popular anarchy comics run by Jay Kinney and Paul Mavridis and racked up 5,000 dues-paying members with many more unofficial followers by 1989. For $1, members received a doctorate of the forbidden sciences from the foundation of the subgenius. The movement spread through the publication of zines, uh, like underground magazines, independently produced underground magazines, which became a major part of various subcultural scenes in the 1990s. I was a little bit young to be in zine culture, but, you know, back when Nirvana was a thing, if you were happened to be 19 at the time, you might have had a zine for your, you know, subculture, whatever it may be, your goth scene. Uh, and it arguably arguably began with the subgenius's fanzine. So the subgen Church of the Subgenius is credited with sort of getting the whole zine thing going. Oh, huh. that's cool. The foundation produced its own zine, collecting the highlights from various member-run zines. Subgenius conventions, which began in 1980, featured psychedelic drugs and doctor bands who played freeform sound art rather than music. Okay. This culminated in the Night of Slack, a theatrical performance staged by the church in 1984. The strict division between audience and performer at the Night of Slack, coupled with the rising number of mostly white male celebrity members, including, get this, the talking heads David Byrne, wow. the cartoonist R. Crumb, and you're going to love this one, Paul Rubens, better known as what the f Pee Wee Herman. What? <laughs> I mean, I guess he, like, okay. I guess all that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, all these guys joining led to cries among certain apostate members that the church had sold out. They actually weren't wrong. In 1992, the church partnered with MTV to produce a subgenius movie titled Arise! Exclamation point. Uh, and if you, you can YouTube this movie. I watched the entire thing on YouTube. And the movement persists to the present day. Don't watch it with your children. <laughs> okay. Not safe for children. 
but that's all I have to say about the Church of the Subgenius, and that sort of brings my story of the alternative religion movements of the Discordian, sort of anti-religion movements of the Discordians and the Church of the Subgenius to a close. So you're telling yeah. me it only cost a dollar to go to the space orgy? Yes. Yeah, that's all. It's your dues. You pay your dues. You're paid up. You go to the space orgy. You will be raptured. On Nove- on on, on uh, In 1998, though, Mims, you will be raptured. I mean, those indulgences are pretty cheap. Yeah, yeah. Like I'm just, I'm, uh, like I'm, I'm impressed. I would expect, you know, like fifty bucks. I'd expect like like concert ticket prices. Hmm. Yeah. You know, this was a lot to process. Yes, I hear you. So do people? So people still do this? <laughs> the Discordians um, have a pretty. I think that the short answer is I don't think so. I think that these movements have pretty well died out. They had their heydays in the 70s and the 80s, respectively. But Discordian literature, not just the Principia, but Robert Anton Wilson is a sort of celebrity author from the Discordian movement, and his books, like the Illuminatus trilogy, Illuminatus! Exclamation point, continued to be pretty widely circulated. They had a big impact on the occult scene of the 70s and 80s, for sure. So more their influence continues to be felt than that we would run into a Discordian now. People, like when I teach religious, when I talk about religion in my uh, classes and I, you know, I talk about alternative religion or joke religion, people bring up the Pastavarians. They don't bring up the Discordians. What about the sub, subgenius? They also sort of like flamed out as a result of their partnering with just they're selling out. They they got too big for their own good. They were meant to be subcultural movements. People were very serious about their subcultures back in the day. I think people still are today. You don't want to be part of something that feels mainstream. So when they got onto MTV, they just became too mainstream. Hmm. So then how did chaos... Okay. I mean, chaos magic feels pretty mainstream, though. I mean, not like mainstream, but like (laughs) occult mainstream. Do you know what I mean? I, I do. It, from a, an occult standpoint, we're in a subculture, right? Yeah, but I guess that's what I'm... Yeah. It's a su- it, and technically, it's a subculture within a subculture. The occultist is marginalized, and then the chaos magic. So I hear you that they feel more mainstream, because right, last podcast on the left, and these folks are all crazy about chaos magic, right? Yeah. I guess I but just I wonder, s- like, yeah... But when we talk about mainstream, Olivia, like we, to us, I think that it's just our perspective. Bear in mind that the girls of Call Her Daddy, of which I think there is currently only one or there's two, but they're separate. They're one not going to bring up, neither of them are practicing chaos magic. Yeah. That's mainstream. Like those, those right, girls are mainstream. Yeah. They're the true mainstream. Yeah. So I, guess I, I'm, I don't know. I'm wondering how it came from like what we were talking about to chaos magic. Like comparatively... You know, I don't know. Yeah. Well, as we carry the story forward, we'll start to see the connections between what the Discordians had to say in particular in Chaos Magic. Church of the Subgenius, while they inherited the traditions of the Discordians, they actually overlap the founding of Chaos Magic. And they overlap uh, the Temple of Psychic Youth. So, uh, okay. so they're sort of like not inspiring so much as just coexisting with chaos magic and when it's flourishing yeah Hmm. okay well i guess in its early days like it's an original form i think that's the i think do you live do you hear the phone the phone the the oc phone ringing the phone is ringing they also let the machine get it i never want to talk to anybody on the other end of that yeah that dr rob church secrets here my ears got perked with a righteous perkiness last week when I heard you be talking about a church in the podcastosphere. But then I looked up these sub-geniuses and it turned out my perky ears had been hoodwinked and flimflammed and bamboozled once again by your so-called confessions. This, my friend, is no kind of church. It's a bunch of doofuses wagging their wangs at each other on music television. Bob is not the answer. I'm not even sure if Bob makes for a very good question. Heck, to be honest with you, I can't so much as say what Bob is exactly. Well, I mean, there's a Bob who runs the checkout at the gas station on the highway, but but, but when the rapture comes, I will not be going up to the gas and go for advice on how to survive the tribulation. Bob's a pretty nice guy. 
probably it'll be raptured already but but what we both know between us dr rob that if the rapture is going to skip over any two people it's going to be you and me for completely different reasons of course but all the same okay bye all right, we're going to gong it out into that order of confessors. And we're there. I am me. One, two, three, four, five, six. What are you, what are you saying right now? This is the name of the person who left a review. Oh, you. there's a massive pause there. I figured you would say something. Oh, I... <laughs> I was very confused because of the pause. I was like, okay. Oh, I'll do that again. <laughs> Sorry. I am me. One, two, three, four, five, six. That's, that's, a, okay. Yep. Just go. <laughs> no, you're good. This time I'm not going to comment. <laughs> Absolutely loves it. And is not ashamed to be giving the episodes a second listen. Oh. I think we're it. Yeah, I would assume so. Yeah, we're the it. Oh. Paul Cat eighty seven says the research is good, and if you're not used to forum style discussions, just settle in and trust us. Aw. <laughs> good. I like advice. that one. <laughs> <laughs> settle in and trust. Mm. Uh, Arona Cat loves our work. She uh, also has a witch movie show on YouTube called Witch Way. Oh, that's a good name. Check that out. Witch Way. With a T, you know. Mm, yeah. For, for witch. Yeah. And our Instagram friend, Dan Schaub Designs. That's uh, Dan Schaub, S-C-H-A-U-B. Check, check out Dan's work. It's pretty cool. He does all these masks. Very, very nifty stuff. He says, listen to it, the show, uh, and he's also listening uh, multiple times. Aw. Yeah. So if you're on the Instagrams, check out check out Dan Schaub Designs. Pretty cool art Dan makes. Yeah. And it was a very nice review. Thank you, Dan. Uh, Jared K. listens on Spotify, loves the variety. Uh, and now we're going to get to some messages from folks about previous episodes. Oh. First, we're going to start with uh, Joaquim. Who says, uh, if you're having a night terror, you should try holding your breath to jar yourself awake. Huh. That's yeah. interesting. I mean, I guess you see yourself in your dream holding your breath. Then mm. you hold your breath and then you wake up. Joaquim uh, also says, apropos of a uh, conversation you and I had, Olivia, about... Um, you remember this about welders and why we're so popular with welders? We had a few people write in about this on Patreon. Oh, I do remember we talked about it. Like yeah. an episode, a couple episodes ago, right? Yeah, I've been hearing about it since then. <laughs> yeah. So, oh, like uh, reasons why? Like legit reasons? Yeah, Joaquim says um, the figure of Tubal Cain, which in some traditional witchcraft covens is associated with witchcraft and also with the fallen angel Samyaza, described in the Book of Enoch as giving humanity the gift of metallurgy, weapon making, and sorcery, that this Tubal Cain oh, figure is that what draws the uh, welder to us, sort of like a modern blacksmith. That's kind of crazy cool. And uh, Jay, our patron, uh, just with the letter J, I love this one, um, says, maybe we've got it wrong. Maybe it's not that welders are drawn to us. Maybe it's that we turn people into welders. Oh, I like that. <laughs> That's interesting. <laughs> because Jay has been a listener and is just now taking up welding. Oh, wow. So it's happening for, for Jay. What if one of us become a welder? You're kind of like being inducted, right? Into the, <laughs> the circle of welders. <laughs> I guess, but no one's ever going to let me hold a blowtorch, man. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Take a couple classes. I can They're see you welding some forged some in fire. Migs and Tigs and such like. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay, let's uh, let's get out of here. I hereby adjourn and declare close this meeting of the Secret Order of Alchemical Actors till such time as we get together and do it again. All right. Uh, voices today, we had Sean Priest, Luke Kenneman, and Brandon Walls, also Aubrey Radford uh, joining me around the mic. Uh, we had Mims with his very secret title. Mims is uh, bopped out of here, and uh, Olivia Literal, our Grandmaster of the Order. I am here. Goodbye. 
<laughs> here and gone. Yeah, here and gone. A memoir. Me, my name is Rob C. Thompson. Join us next time when we explore the founders of Chaos Magic itself and take a dive into the uh, sort of founding text liber null uh, on this, our four-part series on Chaos Magic. 